0: Mm. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful we can come here and uh, worship you and praise your name. And God, we just uh, do thank you. We do want to honor the fathers and just the necessity of strong fathers to stand before their families. And Lord, and just truly provide a spiritual covering for their families and to face this world. And God, we just thank you for them and pray a blessing on each one. And, God, we just give you the honor. And, again, thank you for that we can come together this morning and look into your word. And you teach us things and show us things we would never know. And I pray I just speak things of the Spirit and nothing of just my own insight, but just totally things from you open every heart to receive from the Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen, amen, hallelujah. Turn this morning, we're going to be starting in, uh, look at verse isaiah forty thirteen we 're going to start there and read it, and I uh, just before I started reading, I just want a little you know personal update that uh, Linda and I got to went to see some friends of ours sunday or uh, past this past saturday and uh, and and the wife said says i 'm going to be watching and so say hi to me and so sandy hi okay he 's so good, what a blessing, Hi to Sandy but uh these these were friends you you've heard me tell these stories about when I was an early believer, and all the kind of you know things that we went through and it was just kind of a lot of turmoil and stuff and like forty five years well, this couple was with us, so we weren't alone <laughs> they were they were with us and i'm going to share this with you just because and he's listening, and we really had difficult we didn't know anything we didn't know anything we really didn't. But we knew that the Bible was true, and we were saved. But that's it. I mean, nothing. And we went, well, we just happened to be in a church who didn't believe those two things. They didn't believe it. And so we didn't have a church background. We, we, none of us was raised in a church. And so um, we didn't take it well when they said the two things we believed in weren't true. And we took it as a personal offense. (laughs) And so we really caused some disruptions within that church. Didn't mean to, but we're just trying to shed the truth. (laughs) And I I shouldn't share this, but the pastor asked my friend, I didn't say this. And he says, what do you think this church should do? And he says, well, since you're not teaching the Bible, I think you should stand in front of the door with a baseball bat and keep people from coming in. Well, he got a phone call that night and was asked not to come back. And I thought, well, if he couldn't go, I wouldn't go in either. So we left. But anyway, you know, we were technically really correct. (laughs) The Bible is the word of God. And... You believe on the Lord Jesus to be saved, but we've learned to be a little more diplomatic. Haven't changed our views, but we've learned to be a little more diplomatic. But anyway, so hi, Sandy. And two, they've been friends, and that was 45 years ago. 45 years. Somebody's in here says, I'm not 45. I mean, how can you? But and they, they've, they've never wavered, and they're serving the Lord right now with the same passion. And it was just fun talking to them. Haven't missed a beat. So anyway, dear, dear friends, and I wanted to say hello to them. And um, let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. By the way, happy Father's Day, everyone. Mm, Guys, ladies, I only ask you to be nice to the guys one day of the year. This is it, just one day. I mean, uh, the rest of them, you can let them have it. But this day, you should... You know, this day you should be nice to. Okay, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 is this. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Uh, And the title of the message is Big God, Big God. And so just look closely, you know, at this verse. And it's really interesting that the Lord feels necessary to tell us this, you know. Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? Who can fathom? Or instruct the Lord as his counselor. Or instruct the Lord. And here's something you learn. If we think we can comprehend, if we think we can comprehend the greatness of God, we think we can comprehend Him, we have a weak, limited God that cannot be trusted you can comprehend who he is he can't be trusted can't be trusted however he's above that and i don't have several of these verses i don't have overheads but so just listen however who god really is in ephesians 3 20 21 it says this now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask Or imagine. Well I can imagine what God could do. Then you don't have been God. You don't have a good understanding. Because our God can do more than you can imagine. Than you can imagine. According to his power. That is at work within us. Within us. To him be the glory. In the church. And what we have here. And the Lord is showing us. Our mind is finite; it is finite i don 't care how smart you are it 's finite, therefore, the infinite the infinite glory of God is beyond comprehension, beyond comprehension. <laughs> therefore, we must see God is infinitely greater than our finite mind. Now, how many of you have a problem with that so you How many of you want control over everything? How many of you want to figure things out? How many of you, you know, get all your ducks in a row? See? And that tells us, you, that you have a poor vision of God. You have a poor vision. It's you. And you got to do it. And God goes, "You, you can't get there from here. You can't get there. So he's talking about his greatness here. And what we see in God is he's able to do immeasurably more than we imagine, than we imagine. Now, and when we see him as God immeasurably more than we can imagine, what will happen, we live in absolute security and trust. How many times have you said, because I, I said, God, you don't know what the problem is. You understand this problem. There's no way to get, Lord. See, there's insecurity because of what we see. There's insecurity based on what we understand. But if you're right, no, he's immeasurably more than we can imagine. Well, I don't know how this is going to work out. Somehow, somehow, Because I trust Christ somehow. Because he said this, somehow. You know, because it's just measurably more than we can imagine. So if God wants us to break out of our own thinking and to see the immeasurably more God, you know what he does? He gives us problems we can't handle. It's only the immeasurably more that can handle it. I have learned in myself, God, why are you doing this? Why are you me- Why? There's no purpose, you know. And he said, no, this is bigger than I can handle. And I almost hear my voice. I know. There's more than you can handle. Thus, you have to trust the immeasurably more God. See? So <laughs> that's the reason some of us... We all go through that, and we have problems, and God wants us to go there. He's bigger than our problems. Okay, think of the biggest problem in your life, the biggest pro- problem possible in your finite mind. I will remind you as you think about it. It's finite. You can just only go so far. You say, okay, God is immeasurably more. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So we look at this, and you think, gracious and so when we recognize this now i'm talking to myself you know i'm not setting you guys up and say you do what i do no it's just lord it's convicting but if we recognize this immeasurably more we also recognize that we are in no place to question god or give him counsel we're no place See, because he's measurably more. What are we going to tell him? We're going to tell him what we think. He said, oh, my God, Wallace, I never thought of that. I am so happy that you're here. Oh, Lord, to save you was just such a pleasure for me. I think me and the angels can get through now for your wisdom you've bestowed upon me. See, you think it never. But don't we do that? Don't we do that? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And God tells us something else. Now, here's a couple of examples. And in Job, I really believe Job was one of, the, one of the most godly men in the Bible. Because it says so right up front. It said there's nobody like him. You know, I mean, so God says, hey, and nobody like him. I'm going to take God his word. He's one of the most godly men ever was, Job. And then what happened to Job, he, under unbelievable Distress, unbelievable distress. Job started to question God's actions or his lack of action. Like, what are you doing? Are you? I mean, I think <laughs> he's the most perfect man on earth. You know, it cut me a break here, right? I'm that good. You know, I should go sailing through on that. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. It just, uh, God had other plans. So, Going through these unbelievable things happening to Job, God finally talks to Job in chapter thirty-eight. That's a real, you know that's a lot of chapters. Okay, so one through thirty-seven, nothing, <laughs> and nothing happening. One through thirty-seven. So in chapter thirty-eight, God actually speaks to Job. He speaks to Job, and as he speaks to Job, he doesn't say. One thing about his sufferings, he didn't—he didn't mention his his sufferings. God speaks to Job. After all, he doesn't say anything about his sufferings. But what he did say, he addressed Job for his lack of understanding. I mean, you lose everything—lose your family. Still have your wife, and she told you to curse God and die. So you know, Every, I mean, it all fell. He had nothing. He had he had nothing. So God comes. I must tell you, Job. This is, this is the first thing God says to Job. What would you say? I, I mean, God, God. This is what God says. You ready? Job thirty-eight two. God looks at Job and goes, Who is this who obscures my plans? What'd I do? <laughs> who is this who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? I mean, I want to ask God like you want to ask God a question. I say, God, where's the empathy, man? I mean, you gotta, you know, give the guy a break. Say, good job, you know, I've been No. The first thing he says to him, who is this who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Now, God was telling Job that he was not even close to comprehending the mind of God. Yeah. God even said that Job was obscuring God's plans. Not only was Job obscuring God's plans but Job's actions were becoming part of the problem <laughs> I mean it's like just think about it I'm going to put yourself in there you know I always have this picture I remember Pastor Mender going and he goes here's Job he's hoeing his garden he just, he's like being God he's just hoeing his garden and all of a sudden gone garden's gone family's gone loses everything you know he's got sores all over him It is like, God, and God said, what are you doing? You're obscuring my plans. (laughs) See, but that's what God said. What is the lesson? I'm doing something, and you don't know, and you need to trust me. And if you don't trust me, you're going to obscure my plans, become part of the problem. And I would honestly say, but Lord, look at this mess. Don't you see this mess? Well, it's who are you to give counsel to God? Are you all with me? So God, is, and God's telling us, he's given us an understanding that he is doing something. He is doing something with us. He is doing something with us. And so, and, and we see Jesus does the same thing. They come to Jesus with a question. I mean, Jesus can say, "Oh, you know, I know that's a tough one here. Let me give you the that. answer. That's really hard on you guys." But this is what Jesus says: They come to him with a question. He goes, "You know, you're in error." This is Matthew twenty-two, twenty-nine. You know, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. See, God could have said the same thing to Job. God, what he says, Job, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. But here's a little more blunt. Was, Who's this obscuring my plans? Why are you interfering with me? You know, why are you becoming part of the problem and not with me in presenting the glory of God? Because it hurts. <laughs> it's miserable. See? And so that's what we have saying here. Now, the other question that God puts to Job. I mean, I mean, God doesn't let up. He doesn't. Who's this obscuring my plan? Then He asked Job another question. Okay, Job, you're so smart. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Okay, you're so smart. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. It's like that. As you can well see in this whole thing, Job didn't have a lot to say. I mean, he's complained for 37 chapters. All of a sudden, he didn't have much to say. He didn't have much to say when he's interacting with God. And and so you bring it to the basic, and he tells Job, he goes to the basic, Job, you don't know. There's a lot you don't know. A lot you don't know. You don't need to be giving me counsel. You need to be working with me in what I'm doing. And also, let's go back to Isaiah. We'll go back to Isaiah here. And we see that with this big God, with this big God, we should look at the world in a different manner. Okay? Right? Because we have a big God, so we're going to look at God differently. And if you watch the news or anything, which you all know I do, and, you know, I think you're praying diligently for me that I won't watch as much news as I do because you won't hear about it. (laughs) But if you watch the news, oh, my gosh, it's what has happened. China is going to take over the world. Oh, my gosh, they have another, you know, nuclear weapons with Iran. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're sitting there. Oh, Lord, it's all going to come to the end. We're all going to die. You know, I mean, you can get there, right? Here's what Isaiah says. He says, you know, you need to look at this different. You need to look at this different. And Isaiah, in chapter 40, verse 17, God says this. Before God, all the nations are nothing. They are to be regarded by God as worthless. They are less than nothing. What are we worried about? I mean, he's not concerned about it. I, I mean, and that's hard in this world. Well, he ought to be concerned. He's not. In fact, he, had, he gives no Credit to them, or I mean, just think of it. All the nations are nothing. They're nothing. They were regarded by God as worthless, they're less than nothing. God's going, or, you know, You could, God's going, I got this. I got this. You're focused to be on me, cooperate with me, and I'm working the nations as I see fit for my purposes. And in perspective, there is nothing. My church and you are everything. See, that's our position in this. That's our position. And you go, I mean, how many of you are kind of hard getting your arms around this now? It's like, wait a minute. You know, but God said, this is his view, which he wants to be our view. But our view is wrapped up into this world. And everything that happens. See, and God's, that's, that's not where it should be. That's not, but what if everything goes wrong? You mean like Job? But everything, you mean like Job, and we wring our hands, we sat there, we're calling people, we're going nuts, and say, God, speak to me. And He goes, Why are you obscuring my plan? See, that's a, or you say, Jesus. What's the answer to this? You don't know the scriptures, the power of God. Where, there, where are they starting at? They're starting at God. At his, and He, he said, and what he's telling us, he you've got to start here. You've got to start here to be able to handle all this stuff that's coming. And I have this. Now, how many of you, you don't raise your hands, been through something, you go through something, and says, we'll never get through this. We're not, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen, you know. And God goes, why? Can't I handle it? Yeah, but you don't see. But, and it could be. No, he's I got this. The nations, they're worthless. They're less than nothing. But God, I have this. This would really help. He goes, who are you to obscure my plan? Jesus, says, I need an answer. He says, "You need to know the Scripture." And the, but you see where this is going. And both of, and this is Old Testament. You know, this is Old Old Testament here. So it's like, oh my goodness gracious. So, and here we go on. So we and this the title of the message is "Big God." The thing, how big is our God? How big is our God? Well, here's another. One. I do have an overhead for this one. See. We have a big God who is enthroned over the earth. God is not in the earth, and he's not subject to the earth. You know, we think he's with us, wringing his hands with us, concerned about everything falling apart. He's not, he, he's not in the earth. He's not subject to the things of the earth. Look what it says in Isaiah Chapter 40, verse 22. God sets enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He just looks down and he just sees a mass of grasshoppers just jumping all over the place, you know, solving the world's problems. He says, Lord. See, he's enthroned in the circle above the earth. That's where he is. His perspective is different. He's not limited by the earth. Now, here's a side note. Just a side note. This is a good note here. Side note. God is telling us, right here in this verse, God is telling us 800 years before Christ, that's when Isaiah spoke this, that the earth is round. That's what he's telling The earth is round. Only non believers would think the earth is flat. They always blamed us for it being flat. No, we knew it was round. Only unbelievers see it, ever saw it as flat. See, isn't it good to know the scriptures? Who would know 800 years before Christ? It's the circle of the earth. I wonder if Isaiah goes, what? <laughs> you know. No, he says it's a circle. It's a, it's a circle of the earth. Now, Job was written several hundred years before Isaiah. So let's go a thousand plus. We don't know when Job was finally written. Job makes this comment about the earth. And Job tells us that the earth is suspended in space. Go to every ancient religion, everything in the world, and they have these views of God that, you know, has this big foundation, the earth is built on it, or somebody's holding it or doing this and that, you know. And God goes, no, it's the earth is circle and it's suspended in space on nothing God tells us that look at Job 26 27 and by the way in Job 26 27 Job is saying this Job knew this already you know Job 26 27 God spreads out the northern skies over empty space he suspends the earth over nothing. Right? I mean, the Bible was up to date, way up to date. So right here in Isaiah and Job, we know it's a, it's a circle and it's suspended on nothing. It's in space, it's in space. Job knew that. See, Job knew that. Now. So, but the point of it is, I mean, those are interesting points, and I think you are. Put us ozone in your refrigerator. I mean the good, good things to talk about. But the point of it is, is that God's a big God. He's over the earth and it's suspended to nothing. And, and God is over all this. He's got all this. All right. But he's bigger. He's bigger than this. I mean, that's pretty big. Being thrown over the earth. Enthroned over the earth, earth suspended on nothing. But he's even bigger than that. Look, if you will, at Isaiah chapter 40, 25 through 26. And I have part of it in the overhead and not the whole verse, but I'll read the whole thing. Isaiah 40, 25 through 26. And we're talking about a big God that we can trust. It says this Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created these? God, who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name, He's the one that brought these out. Because of God's great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Now I want you to. I have a picture here. Up here, I'm to wait till you get up. It's on your bullet, then you can look at your bullet in the same picture. And that's, you know, at a dark, dark night, you could see that, or with the new telescope, <laughs> you can see that. And those are stars. And, the, you know, the scientists are back coming. They, it's just innumerable to number of sky, stars. You, like, can't count them. They're like sand of the, on, on the beach or something. But what we have here was this first say. It says, God brings out the story host one by one and names them. Process it. Look at the picture. And I think this picture is finite because I saw it and put it up there. <laughs> Look at that. Wow, it's just exploded. No. They were placed by name. You could go to God and say, hey, look, in the upper left-hand corner, about halfway through that spot, what's that? He said, well, this is the name of that star. See, that is God, you know, (laughs) it's above the earth. It's suspended over nothing. He placed the stars, and He named them one by one. Now, if you think about this and all the stars he said are where they should be and not one star is missing. I mean this is what the Bible do you, I'm saying, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? you got to believe this. If you don't believe this I doubt if you're really going to trust that Christ paid the penalty for your sins. You've got to believe the whole thing. You with me? He called the stars out. He named them one by one. Not one is missing. Now, are you with? The point is, all right. We have a big God. See, and we don't think. See, we really don't think when we worry and twist our hands and stuff. We really don't think He's that big. We really don't trust Him. Because we really don't see how this is going to work out because it's bigger than we comprehend. And God said, Well, no, I give you something. this is what it looks like. And if you believe this, then you're secure and you trust he can handle anything. He can handle anything. He's big. He is big. He wants us to know he's big and he wants us to trust him. And go back to Job. And Job says, There's none like him. And Job just, I mean, he, he just, the world fell apart and he just complained and complained and complained. And God's going, Well, don't you know who I am? Job, <laughs> you're obscuring my plans. I got the earth and the stars named one by one, and your belly aching 24 7. And I was trying to use you as an example. You know, it's really tough. That's what he's doing. See, that's what he is doing. You, and I've thought like this. Well, God, if I just understood, then I would do that. Therefore, if I understood and do it, I really wouldn't need, would need you, and I would do that. He wants me not to understand, depend on him, and allow, follow him who does that. And therefore, our eyes on him, because he may take a right or a left, and I won't pay attention, and let God move me in where he's going. That's it. We have a big God. That's all. That. That's the point. Is it has a big God. But you look at these now. So we, we've got that in our head. Name the, called them out. He named them one by one. I'm going to ask you something. How hard this big God called out the stars, placed them, named them one by one. How hard would it be for Him to move a mountain on this earth? How hard? I mean, how hard? A hunk of dirt. Yeah, a hunk of dirt. Big dirt, small hunk of dirt. How hard would it be for him to do that? I mean, you could almost see, like, (laughs) God go, what are you talking about? I can't believe you just said that. I called out the stars, placed them there, and named them one by one. Yeah, but I bet you can't do this. (laughs) I mean, isn't that what we're doing? yeah you're good with the stars mm, I'm going down, you know, and you know you ain't around anywhere. see D- do you see the insanity of that thinking? He really is, and I think that's the reason that you kind of get the feeling God was kind of about half ticked off with Joe, like what are you doing? Who are you? Where were you in the foundations of the earth? We're like, try that one, you know. He doesn't address Job's problems because that's not the issue. <laughs> the problem is that Job didn't have a big enough God. And that was, and that's what he was to witness, a big enough God, a big enough God. Now, so let's read this section in Mark where Jesus actually tells the disciples they can move mountains. But remember, Jesus was at creation. He was part of creation. He's, part, he's with God when they're placing the stars and naming them. So, this is Jesus, you know, not, I mean, he is God, but he knew he'd been there. You know, he was there when all this happened. So, Jesus mentally, fully aware of the power of God, his own power. And so, he talks to his disciples here on earth, and he says this This is Mark 11, 22. And he goes, Okay, guys, circle around. Have faith in God, you know, who created and named each star. I, I added that. But he goes, have faith in God. That means believe what God said. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you. And, and I want you to grab I, I can feel after looking, it's like the passion of God. He's trying to communicate to the book. He says, Just create the, cars, the stars, called them out, named them one by one. And he goes, listen, truly, truly. I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, because you know I created all the stars and named every one of them, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say, it will happen. It will be done for you. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Why? Because God placed all the stars, called them out by name, and I can take care of your stuff. It really ain't that big a deal. It really is not. You, know, you think it is, you know. We probably think it is because we think we're the center of the universe. <laughs> you know, and so if I'm the center of the universe, I mean, he really has to line things up for me. You know. But then one of his messages to me is like, eh, really not the center of the universe. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to give you your wife, Linda, and she will remind you that you're not the center of the universe. See, isn't a God good? I mean, he, he's working all that stuff together. So, anyway, so we have this picture, and, and to understand that we truly, truly have a big God. And just as we think about this, with our big God who places the stars where there should be and names them, would, be, would moving a mountain be that hard? Of course, Jesus is not focusing on moving dirt, but his words are encompassing all obstacles confronting the believer. As a believer in Christ, we know God created all things and all things are under his authority and power. Now listen, is a note. Is a note here. This reveals the demonic element of the world's wisdom, like evolution what evolution says is God didn't create the world. He didn't do it. Bottom line. Well, we can have evolution and belief. If you have evolution and you know, a poor, weak belief in a God you can't trust. You can't trust him because he didn't create everything. Surely he can't control everything. But if we believe, as believers that he spoke the word, he created all the things, it's also said, no, we can trust that. That God is beyond our imagination, and we can trust him. And Satan's, Satan's wisdom is to say, no, he can't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. There's a purpose behind it. Then he becomes weak. He becomes weak. He becomes weak. Now, so what we have... Evolution says God is not the creator and therefore limited in power. I don't care. It says it. It says it. Don't fool yourself that it doesn't. However, we know our God is a big God, the only God, who is all-powerful, in charge of this world, down to the smallest detail. He has everything in its place, nothing overlooked, nothing lost. That's it. It's the truth, see? And, and that's the truth. And the only reason he's telling, he wants us to believe it for our benefit. He wants us to believe it for our benefit. And some of the pro- things of getting us to believe that is give us stuff we can't handle. Because if we never run across anything we can't handle, we can you know, have a problem, ask me. You know, he goes, no, no, that, that's not, how, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. And so that helps us understand. And so, and this a wonderful Pastor Millikins would always tell me, oh, what an opportunity. Says, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, my whole world's falling apart. And you're saying, what an opportunity. You know, it's like, God, grief. You grief. Know, but he could see that. he go, oh, wait, you could have an opportunity here. And uh, so, but but you, you can see that God we're meant, you know, to be a man or woman of faith, you have, have to have an impossible obstacle that you need faith to overcome. If you can just overcome it without God, without faith, then you don't have any faith to testify to. But it's when you have faith to, and you overcome an obstacle in front of you, now you have faith and people look and say, Wow, oh, I don't know how that happened. Well, I know it's through the Lord Jesus Christ it happened. And if we just handle everything that comes our way, he is so smart. He is so diligent. He does such a good job. And, you know, we are to just praise him, you know. But no, I'm going to give you things you can't handle. And everybody's going to be surprised when you succeed. And you give God the glory. And then you communicate faith. You communicate. Now we go, oh, I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for sin, and I'll go to heaven when I die. But we don't trust him for the next 24 hours. No way. No way. You know, I just had my son leave in the car. <laughs> no way I trust him. <laughs> I'm going to put GPS on that thing. We're going to track him down by helicopters. <laughs> no way. Right? You know, we got to control this stuff. Oh, by, God, by the way, I praise Jesus. There were no GPSs when I was in high school. Oh, Lord Jesus. We lived in West Virginia. It was 12 miles from Morgantown. I asked my mother, says, "We we won't go out and go to Morgantown. You know, well, we went through Morgantown to Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> you know, they have a prison up there. We drove around the prison and stuff. Then we came home. She said, how's Morgantown? It's great. We had a great time in Morgantown. I mean, there was, <laughs> Lord Jesus, God protected me. Protected me, Right. You want to teach to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship, you know. And then you can release your children into whatever with Jesus. You send them with Jesus. If you just have rules or a weak faith, they're going to dump the whole thing quick. Because there's a whole mass of people They're just having a good time with no restrictions whatsoever. So, if you break the rules, (laughs) they'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never know, you know. But you see what I'm saying? But you have a big God. It's like, no, I know. I know. And if you point the child to God, then they know. And they have a relationship. And then they know. See, Amen? But do you see how important this is? Now, here, and I'll kind of wrap this up here, but so we it's a big God. Now, here's another one, how big it is. Uh, we need to get our arms around this to believe it, and I think we need to get our arms around it to believe it, to even believe our own salvation. I mean, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, and we're happy with that. But when push comes p- to shove, how much of it we embrace and holding on to that, holding on to that no matter what, you know, no matter what. See, Our God is so big, so big, that if you say in the world, in the universes, if you remove God, if you remove God, you know what would happen? Everything would dissolve. It dissolves. It wouldn't be there. Stars wouldn't be there. Earth wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. What'd God do? Nothing. He just dissolved. And when he dissolves, everything dissolves. If he's not here, everything. Thing dissolves it's he. he made it, and it's his Colossians listen to Colossians one seventeen listen to this in context with what we've been talking about Colossians one seventeen God is before all things, and in God all things hold together in all things. God created all things, and in all things, (laughs) and in God, all things hold together. So, what happens when God disappears? Nothing holds together. Universe, stars, earth, nothing holds together. It just dissolves. And that's the reason God will look at Job and he goes, What are you doing obscuring my plans? Where were you when I laid the foundations? See, Joe, your whole vision would change if you knew you weren't here when I laid the foundations. If you knew, you know, I called out every star and placed it and called it by name. It wouldn't make any difference. What happened? You would know. You would know that I'm doing something, and you just have to trust in me. You have to trust in me. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can shake you now taking all this into consideration taking all this into consideration with our big god who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine we can live in strength and gain strength soaring like eagles soaring like eagles and this is how in fact we've been looking at isaiah 40 you know for the portions of this that's the reason I think Isaiah 40 ends with this. This, it, it's a culminating point. To close all this of a uh, trusting into God, who are you to counsel God? Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says then, those, and listen closely, words so meaningful, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I have no hope. I can't go home. It's not going to work. You tell me what the problem is. What's the problem? Do they hope in the Lord? They have no hope. No, I'm with God, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm talking to Him, and I'm doing all this, and I just and you don't you can't say it. It's not a good counseling technique. You know, it says you. Go, no, you're not. You're not. No, you're not spending time with the Lord, no, you're not trusting Him. no, you're not getting the word, right there or your attitude wouldn't be like that. You know with me? It wouldn't be like that we went, had the message the other day we went through, you know how the Lord really spoke to me. He said, "Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, get out of here. What are you talking? Well that's what it is. See, those who hope in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord will rejoice in the Lord. You see what I'm saying? You know? And, and again, this is for us personally, not to go, you know, somebody complains and go, Hey, eh, you don't know Jesus. That's not why we're doing this. We're doing this personally until we understand. And it says, those who hope in the Lord, believe in the Lord, trust in the Lord, will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. With every situation, we will spread our wings like an eagle and be lifted up above the problems by the Holy Spirit. In fact, soaring on the wings of God, our problems only provide a current that lifts us up to fly above our particular situation and empowers us. Thus, Pastor Milliken, oh, what a great opportunity! Oh, what a great opportunity. I just, what are you crazy old man? You know, nobody who just really, really had a close walk with God. And I didn't have a clue, you know. And how do you get a clue? I mean, how do you learn to get a clue? And part of that's life. You go through life in every situation and looking to the Lord in every situation, you know. Hoping in Him, and those problems start lifting you up because you see him, your need for Him, and you grow in each situation, Amen. And you're rejoicing. Listen, we had this a few you know weeks ago, and I was so convicted. Rejoicing is really an element of our Christian walk; it really is. And I, I'm not a big rejoicer. You know, I just, okay. You know, I was big time. He, right, his son here just laughs at me. He goes, no, you ain't nothing rejoice <laughs> no. but it's, But I'm convinced now that it's like all this thing is falling apart. And it's like, no, this is an opportunity. And as I accept this and trust God, spread the wings of faith in that, I'm lifted up above this. I can rejoice because I can see God working. I can see God Moving And therefore, I rejoice. Not rejoicing is evidence of my lack of trust in the living God. That's the reason God said to Job, Who are you to obscure my plan and didn't address his pain? Because the problem is, is you don't understand who I am. Where were you? When well, I laid the foundations of earth. tell me. Tell me. That song that Adam had, a line that stood up, one of the things that stood up. he says he makes a highway, the sea is a highway. That's what he does. He makes the seas a highway. So you see a sea, oh, hallelujah, it's your joy, because he's going to make a highway. See, it's, it, and so this is what's trying to be told to us. And so here we go. We we'll go back, and I'll close with this. And 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 you see, all this fits together. By the the Bible fits together unbelievably well. And so we rejoice because. Why do we rejoice? Because Proverbs three, verse five through six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Well, he placed the stars, called them by name. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, Job. But in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Amen? And by the way, it all begins here. (laughs) Here. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for your sin. And you are forgiven. Right there. That's the whole thing is right there. And once you believe that, he did that for me. And then he calls us esteemed and blessed and his children. And then we start growing and he starts teaching us. Teaching us. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. And you are truly a big God. You are a big God. Each one of us is here Because of your divine hand, because of your divine touch. And even as we raise our children up to recognize, to release them, that they understand um, that God's divine touch is on them and in directing them and taking them to wherever they go. It's a personal relationship that they know they're responsible to God for all things and that God empowers them in all things and no matter what comes their way, He gives them power. Then they become, then they become those who trust in God, who believe on God, who will, when problems come, spread their eagles and they'll soar like eagles above their problems because they have a trust in you. And nothing is too hard for you nothing is too hard for god only a small faith would say this is too hard for god dear heavenly father we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your love we thank you for your word lord and it just has such challenges us in such a way so we praise your holy name in the name of the lord jesus amen hallelujah